Planning for the holidays, let alone the Super Bowl of eating holidays, which is Thanksgiving amidst a pandemic just doesn't feel the same. Can I get an amen? I mean, we're mourning the loss of annual traditions, no gatherings in the kitchen with families and friends from afar, at least for the most part. And a lot of that means we're not as excited to cook the traditional recipes that we've known and loved for years. My guest, Christine Pittman, is feeling the fatigue as she makes plans to celebrate the holidays with her family modified. Christine is a mom of two and is the founder of Cook the Story, where a million monthly readers find easy and delicious recipes to fit into their busy lives. And in this episode, Christine and I talked about how we're both approaching Thanksgiving this year, how we might need to make some modifications. But at the end of the day, in our hearts, the most important thing that we're going to do is be thankful. And at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about to begin with? I think you'll find a lot of great practical tips on how you can make the holiday your own and not lose the magic of it, even if it means a little bit of modification. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? I think we can all agree, life's way too short for boring food, right? It deserves to be filled with fresh, flavorful, mouth-watering dishes that you and your family are excited to share together. And guess what? Now it's so easy to broaden your cooking skills and try out fun recipes. And here's the best part. You don't need a bunch of fancy appliances to do it. With Panasonic's Home Chef 4-in-1 Multi-Oven, you can, get this, heat, fry, bake, and broil your way to foodie heaven. Yep, it's a microwave, broiler, air fryer, and convection oven all wrapped up into one appliance so smart so whether you're trying out a new food trend or your grandma's kind of complicated recipe or maybe a fusion dish you've been dying to try or maybe one of my dishes from my book this multi-oven makes your cooking experience a really enjoyable one so start thinking of all those recipes and dishes you've been dying to try out now's the time because this multi-oven makes even the most complicated recipes super simple. I love super simple. It's the four-in-one that inspires your inner chef to try daring new dishes with confidence. So to receive special offers, head over to panasoniccitchen.com and become a Panasonic Kitchen Insider. Christine, it's great to have you on. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It is a wonderful time of year for us foodies. <laughs> and 
curious, how did you how did you start your career in the world of food to begin with? Well, it started when I was 12. Um, my parents had food businesses the entire time I was growing up. But when I was 12, they opened a Ukrainian restaurant in Manitoba, Canada. And I became the pierogi boiler and bagger. I was in the kitchen with um, these wonderful women making pierogies and uh, working and being side by side with my family business. And they had restaurants the entire time I was growing up after that. And I would work there college summer vacations and holiday times. And then when I was, hmm, I guess I, my, my son was about one years old. We moved to Florida from Canada and I wasn't able to work in the States yet. My husband had a job, but I didn't. And I started a food blog, just I, something to do. I always loved food. I wanted to write about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it became this amazing hobby, like writing about food and, and just sharing recipes online. And now it's my career. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that strong family bond, I think a lot of, a lot of cooks and chefs can share that it's, it really comes from a place of love and gathering and family. And I think that's, what's so special about Thanksgiving and the holidays and what we're going to talk a little bit more about, but I know you, that you have um, a, a pretty clear idea of meal prepping and what that should be and maybe how it shifts for an audience. Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on it? Yeah. uh, So I don't do like meal prep exactly, like not a one day big cook, but I am a big meal planner and I know what we're going to be having ahead of time. Um, And I've always been like that. But then um, a couple of years ago, we got divorced, my ex-husband and I, and it, it threw me for a real loop. Suddenly, I was on my own, just cooking for myself, which is really a struggle to, mm-hmm. to not just have a piece of toast and head back to my computer. Yeah. Um, so sometimes cooking just for me, sometimes cooking just for me and my kids, which was also tricky because I was used to having another adult whose food preferences I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. So things really started to shift. And I think um, I just had this realization that um, we can't all meal plan the same way, but even within one person, you can't meal plan the same way from one week to the next, from one day to the next. And what we need, what our bodies need, what our schedules need is going to be different. So trying to figure out ways to be more flexible and I guess have like really good things in our back pockets and things that we're used to that we've practiced that we're ready to do Yeah, um, I think, you know, meal planning is something when you look at how our grandparents used to do it, that was like, you had to do it because it was a strategy, not only for organization, but just budgeting wise, you know, like, how are you going to make that, that money stretch over the course of the week for all the meals that you were going to make. And I think now in the time of COVID, even more so where we don't necessarily want to go to the grocery store daily or, or even multiple times a week. And maybe we've been trained to do that. What have you been doing during COVID to modify or maybe accommodate just kind of your ebbing and flowing needs of people in your home um, to maybe not have too much, but at the same time, not have too little where you open up the fridge and you're like, oh, (laughs) nothing there. Yeah, I've been doing, so 
I hate saying this because people who do a lot of meal planning love this. I'm not a big leftover person. I don't like to have the same thing two days in a row. And I don't, no judgment for anybody does. I don't know why that is. I think it's because I love cooking so much. And it seems mm-hmm. like a, a, I've, I've missed out on my favorite thing for the day. But what, <laughs> yeah, but, but what I've been doing is um, making bigger batches of things here and there and then transforming them. So we'll do, you know, a, you know, chicken breasts and potatoes and vegetable for dinner one day. And then, the, and then a lot of burrito bowls. So the chicken breast with some rice and fresh toppings. And I've been keeping a lot of, like those fresh crunchy vegetables on hand a lot too, as much as I can. I feel like I can always throw some cucumber, green onion, tomato on something mm-hmm. and make it great if I've got whatever I'm pulling from the freezer. Um, so yeah, I think both of those things having, and you know, we're all home all day, every day now. My kids are homeschooling with me when they're with me. I feel like I, I okay, what should we have for lunch? Well, now I'm making kind of like a meal at lunchtime, even if it's sandwiches, it's not the same. And so having some cooked foods and some of those vegetables that are really easy that don't need to be cooked. I think that's where I've been heading through COVID. Yeah. I, and I, I really um, relate to that strategy because we have seven people at any given time eating with us, sometimes more if the kids have their friends over. And uh, I think having some standbys in the freezer ready to go. And I really am a big fan of doubling the batch if you're going to make something, just make two if it's going to freeze well. It's so much easier than trying to, you know, bring everything back out and doing it. But just having some things on hand um, and things that last a little bit longer, like cabbage, for example, and other cruciferous vegetables, Brussels sprouts, sweet potatoes. Those are things that just, they are a little hardier and they last. So, you know, you don't have to constantly worry about highly, highly perishable items, celery, things like that. So I don't, I don't feel like um, anything is going to waste because that would just, that would kill me. Yeah, I don't like when we're wasting things either. I really try when, you know, before I'll go grocery shopping for anything, I try to do kind of a inventory of what I already have. And I'll try and think, okay, I'm going to the grocery store today. What can I pick up to help me use up what I already have? So I'm not starting from from fresh, making something new and letting the things in the fridge go bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. do you think meal planning is intimidating to people? Do you think it's hard for people to think ahead as to what they're going to have during the week, let alone what they recall what they had for breakfast yesterday? Yes, I really do. And you know what? I'll tell you, one of my favorite things, I started doing this about six months ago, is instead of thinking ahead, I've started using my past. So I have a printed calendar, just a PDF printable, whatever calendar, and mm-hmm. I jot down what we've had for dinner. So if we eat out, if we brought in whatever I made, I just jot it down on there quickly. And then when, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, a month later, I'm like, oh, what should we make? I can just take that. And I don't have to think and plan for the future, which can seem daunting. I can see what we already did that maybe worked. And I already there. They're already things my family likes because I made them already, you know? Yeah. Yeah, You already got the the feedback on them too. Yeah. You have two websites. You have Cook the Story and the cookful. Yes. What's, what's the difference between them? And maybe you can share a little bit just about your point of view on food. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So cook the story is my original food blog that I started in 2010 when I moved to Florida. And that is really my basic food philosophy, which is um, healthy, mostly from scratch cooking that's really convenient for today's cooks. Um, so, you know, there, there, there are some trickier things on there, but they tend to be very simple recipes. And that's where I post my own recipes. I do the photography. I do the recipes. I, that's me. Mm-hmm. And then the Cookful is a recipe uh, web, website that I started in 2015. And the thing that made me want to start it was I was seeing a lot of food bloggers in the world who were trying to transition into making this into a culinary career for themselves. And I really wanted to help that. It was predominantly women, predominantly stay-at-home moms. And Mm -hmm. I really thought I wanted to find a way that I could pay them basically. And so I started this site with um, contributors in mind. So it's all contributor based and um, I do a little bit, but it's mostly other people that I'm contracting out. And what we do is every month we choose a different topic that we're going to just dive into. So we do just chicken thighs or just Brussels sprouts or just, and we just do every like great recipe. Um, we'll test things. We did for um, pumpkin pie. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Um, we tested, we made our pumpkin pie puree, pumpkin puree, and then we baked pies exactly the same using the canned and using the fresh to compare and see the difference. So we have, and then there's you know, 10 ways to decorate pumpkin pies and how to make the best pumpkin pie. So if the chocolate is pumpkin pie, you're going to get everything about Mm. pumpkin pie. (laughs) I love it. So you take a little bit of a deeper dive into something specific and sort of cut it apart as much as you can and, and, you know, create different iterations for it with other talent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's been great. It's been, it's very collaborative and I feel like I have this team of really intelligent, um, talented, creative women who are, you know, cooking at home and making food and taking pictures and, and we're sharing it with the world, you know? I love it. That's great. Um, let's talk, let's talk Turkey. Let's talk about Thanksgiving because it is upon us. I can't believe it's almost here, honestly. Um, it's like the year was going so slow and now it feels like it's in turbo mode. Um, Thanksgiving is going to look a lot different for people this year as uh, the number of COVID cases just continues to increase. And um, we are being warned by the CDC um, about large gatherings. How do you think that's going to affect people in thinking about preparing for it, what they're going to make, and just the whole experience? Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know. Because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes. And it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab tested. And it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean, 
eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. I think I think it's going to be really different, and I, I can speak to this in a very direct way because um, as a Canadian, I actually had Canadian Thanksgiving a month ago. So <laughs> do American Thanksgiving. What date, what date is Canadian Thanksgiving? Oh gosh, it's on a Sunday, and it's not always the same date. So it's oh, sort okay, of okay, third yeah. Sunday of October or second or something like that. I'm sorry, yeah. Canadians, I do not know. <laughs> it was last month. <laughs> <laughs> but but it meant that I I got to do it already and I I know what people can maybe expect um coming into this holiday season and maybe not being able to have that big gathering that they're used to or um whatever their normal traditions are that involve other people if they can't do it um I I it wasn't it was really actually very sweet and I'll tell you the thing that I love the most normally for a big dinner like a thanksgiving dinner i'm usually in the kitchen by myself or like with my mom or somebody very skilled with me um i don't usually bring my kids into the kitchen for that kind of big dinner i have that you know they'll set the table or polish the silverware or something but they're not in there with me there's too much on my mind it's kind of more stressful and more involved but this year there were just four of us it was me my two kids and my boyfriend and um my daughter, she was eight. She's nine now, but she was eight last month. She was in there with me. I taught her how to make pumpkin pie. She decorated the pies. And I really felt like it was a, a new experience for me. And I felt very close to her. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was able to share more about cooking for this kind of dinner than I normally can when there's tons of people and talking and all sorts of things going on. So I think it's going to be different and it's going to be smaller but I don't think that means it has to be worse and that there aren't going to be wonderful things that we can celebrate in that space. Yeah. I think there's some, there's a lot to be said about the intimacy of the Thanksgiving meal, because at the end of the day, it is about giving thanks and it's about gratitude. And I think sometimes the pressure that we put on ourselves of quote performing on Thanksgiving, God forbid something happens where it doesn't turn out well or something gets burned, that gets lifted because we're really focusing on a smaller group. And I think the message is a little bit different. And I, I think that story is beautiful because kids should be a part of the process. Yeah. You know, there is no better way to teach them this life skill than getting them in the kitchen with you. And I always share with people, even if it's, you know, that maybe they can't wield a knife yet, but they can hit the on button on a food processor or a blender, or they can peel something perhaps, or even just pull ingredients out of the refrigerator for you, you know? And I think getting them involved at that early stage is really important. Um, do you, tend to, being Canadian, um, this is an adopted holiday for you in a way, because it's celebrated a little bit differently. I remember, I have to share a funny story, story with you. I grew up in New York and uh, we went to Canada to visit some relatives one Thanksgiving and uh, there was no Thanksgiving. And I cried the whole day. I was like, dad, I can't believe we're not gonna have turkey. 
Nobody I, thought about it. <laughs> I felt the same way when I first moved to the States because I didn't have a lot of friends here yet. I was, I mean, Facebook was there, but all of my Facebook contacts, everybody was Canadian. They're all celebrating having yeah. dinner and nobody was celebrating here. It was just, you know, because you don't celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving a holiday. How is it celebrated in Canada? Just curious. How, how are the customs different? Okay, it's very similar in ways. So it doesn't have anything to do with um, contact, first contact, European contact, nothing about that. It's a harvest festival. Mm. Um, and it is, so I said Sunday, it, the technical day is Monday and Monday is the holiday, but families often do their dinner on the Sunday. Um, I think it's the, the actual foods that we eat are very similar, except there's less of an emphasis on all the, the casseroles. We don't, I had, okay, this is a funny story, not about me, but my friend Anne had moved to the States briefly when we were uh, in college and she came back and she said, so I was invited to this Thanksgiving dinner. And I said, what should I bring? And the woman answered the green bean casserole. And she said, the green bean casserole. And she's like, yeah, the one on the can. And Anne's like, on the can? <laughs> We just have never heard of it before. And it's just not something we do. Um, I've had it. I like it. It's great. But it's not part of our tradition. We don't do sweet potato casserole. I have had like a mashed yam thing. It's turkey, stuffing, potatoes, gravy. My family does a lot of Ukrainian things with pierogies and cabbage rolls and meatballs, um, salad, yeah. vegetables. And then the the different family traditions about giving thanks. My family does go around and, and say what we're grateful for. Um, and we eat pumpkin pie. Yeah, that, that's Thanksgiving in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds pretty darn close. Well, and I think you bring up a funny thing that um, I'm curious about. And I think for everybody listening, I think this is an opportunity for us to like not put so much pressure on ourselves, right? I mean, and it's not, I'm not trying to diminish it because Thanksgiving's a whole lot of fun, but it is a meal at the end of the day. And maybe getting to the root of why we celebrate and, and, and give thanks is, should be more of the emphasis. But what do you think about your strategy in terms of preparing the meal? Is it going to be about eight, 10 dishes or is it going to get whittled down? I mean, how do we do that if we're only if we've only got like our immediate family coming over because extended family members can't travel or don't want to travel? How do we handle the expectations of maybe, you know, not making too many dishes and and honing it down a little? Yeah, I mean, for one thing, I did for for a dinner last month, I for the first time ever bought a turkey breast instead of a whole turkey. Mm. And I brined it and it was, and I'm not, I'm not a, I love dark meat. A turkey dark meat is my thing. And I was like, oh, we're having this turkey breast. How's that going to be? Brined it. It was so fantastic. And wait, we got some leftovers, but not a ton. I think there are different ways to scale back. Definitely yeah, not as many dishes um, and, and maybe not as many desserts. We just did one kind of pie. If your family does three kinds of pie, you know, scaling that back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a friend who's doing kind of like a, a, a virtual traveling potluck with her family. So they're doing um, their side dishes. So everybody's, I guess, making their own turkey and dessert. And then if you're making a green bean casserole, you're making three of them and you're dropping one off at your mom's and one off at your grandmother's kind oh, of that's cool. So, and yeah. picking up their sweet potato casserole to bring back to your house on the way, you know? A so dish exchange. Yeah. Sort of like, and I think of it sort of as like the Christmas cookie exchange, you know, we yeah. do, Everybody makes 12 dozen cookies and then you 
split them all up and now you have 12 different kinds instead of one. So that kind of thing might be if your family is in the same area as you are. It won't work sure. if you're far apart. Family or friends. Yeah, for sure. I love that idea. And I think, you know, also for people to not feel so guilty if maybe you make a few dishes and maybe you go to your favorite local restaurant or grocery store that's making sides and pick up a few. You know, I still, uh, I, I interviewed uh, Chef Bruce Kalman the other day and uh, he was just on the podcast. And, you know, I think supporting our local restaurants and, and extending out to the community is a great thing to think about, especially right now. So just picking up a few sides might not be a bad strategy if you're going to make a few dishes at home and to not feel so overwhelmed. That's a really great idea. I think we do end up in this like homemade, have to make it all ourselves sort of trap. And that, I mean, that's how I usually cook. And so my brain doesn't always even go into what else could I do? Yeah. But there are, there's tons. There's, there's supporting local businesses. There's things like I did a um, sweet potato casserole photo shoot a few years ago and I didn't make enough. And I ran over to Publix and bought a tub of already mashed sweet potatoes and put marshmallows on top and cooked it. And it was delicious. Like I was <laughs> like, oh, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. So looking for little tips like that, little tricks that might just ease that pressure and continually like, you know, being grateful for ourselves, not just for others, being grateful and kind to ourselves at this time. I think we're putting so much pressure on ourselves to just say, wait, I'm grateful that you're even trying. I'm grateful that you got up in this COVID craziness and are making any kind of dinner for your family. Like that needs to be really celebrated. And if that means you've got a tub of sweet potatoes instead of homemade, it's okay. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, the I, I look at the holiday season with Thanksgiving kicking it off. And maybe what you do is your strategy is make some of your favorites for Thanksgiving, but then spread it out and make some throughout the, the following months. So between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, you've had a chance to rotate some of your favorites out and maybe try a few new ones. Do you have any takes on the classics that you really love that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll say one. I was just talking about sweet potatoes, so it's in my mind. I do this thing where I get these, they're these little phyllo shells that you can get in the frozen department at the grocery store where the pastry is. The phyllo um, dough. Mm -hmm. they're, they're little tart shells that are already mm -hmm. made into little tarts and they bake for just like two minutes or something and then you cool them and spoon that sweet potato filling into them two marshmallows or a couple pecans on top mm. and fine. Like they're great. They're nice little, I've put them out like as people are arriving. So they're kind of like appetizer, amuse bouche little things, mm -hmm. but I've also had them on the buffet table and they're also kind of desserty. Like they kind of could just sort of be they could go both ways yeah. all day and people can munch on them at whatever point in that process they want to, you know? That's a cute idea. Yeah, those little, they're like little puff pastry almost, and they're so delicate and tasty. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, I laughed a little bit at the whole idea of the recipe on the can, <laughs> because I do think, you know, some of our classics um, are not the healthiest. Mm -hmm. So do you have any suggestions or hacks for people who want to modify maybe their 
Aunt Patty's uh, apple pie that's got like 500 grams of sugar in it or, uh, or butter, you know, that will clog an, all, uh, an elephant's arteries? Like what can we do to make some, some good smart swaps? Yeah, I think actually in those vegetable side dishes that we in the United States love so much right now, um, I think that there are lots. So, so maybe don't use the recipe from the can. That's a can of condensed soup and a can of beans. I have a recipe on one of my sites for a from scratch green bean casserole. And it's, you know, you, you um, steam some green beans and then you're making like a a lighter sort of bechamel kind of based white sauce mm-hmm. beans and then topping them with sauteed onions and mushrooms instead of those fried canned mushrooms that, that are not canned onions that go on that dish normally. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think also like just roasting vegetables, you just take Brussels sprouts with a little bit of olive oil and salt and put them in the oven like 400 for a long time until they're starting to get really dark on the outside. They're like, Brussels sprout chips on the outside and like soft mashed Brussels sprout on the inside. And they're so good for you. And everybody loves them. You don't have to add bacon and cream and breadcrumbs and the whole bit, you know? Yeah. I I think that um, doing a lot of roasting of vegetables is really simple with a drizzle of um, some really nice olive oil or coconut oil and, Mm. uh, and just a nice balsamic vinegar. I think those two together with, you know, just a little seasoning and maybe a little lemon, if it makes sense, um, is just kind of ideal for dressing veggies. Mm-hmm. And I think as a great substitute for what we would normally use a lot of butter or oil, you know, think about like in baked goods, you can actually swap out butter for pureed beets or applesauce. I mean, simple hacks and simple things that you can swap in for. Even I make a pumpkin pie with tofu, believe it or not. So instead of using like a lot of heavy cream or heavy milks and things like that, you can just use pureed light tofu. And uh, it's so delicious. My pumpkin pie recipe uses evaporated milk, which is strange, but I've made it with the light evaporated milk and it turns out great too. So there's, yeah, there's lots of places that you can swap things and, and they work. I love um, using Greek yogurt and mashed potatoes instead of sour cream or butter milk, you know. I do that too. Yeah. And I'll use oat milk instead of using, just to keep, you know, I think we also have to think about people who have allergens. I know we're not inviting guests as much over right now, but even within our family, there are certain things that like some of us can't have. So just having those swaps available so that we're, we're making one dish for everybody instead of feeling like we have to do a variety. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. So um, I always ask this question to all my guests, but aside from Thanksgiving and Christmas, if you could have one meal prepared by anyone, alive or not with us anymore, what would the meal be and who would make it? Oh, it would be, it would be my Ukrainian grandmother, my baba. Um, her pierogies are just the most unbelievable. They're, they're too much butter, too much bacon, too much, too much, all of it. But, but, and, and her kitchen just always smelled like such good food. I swear she had a pot of chicken noodle soup on the stove always like homemade. So being in that kitchen again and smelling those smells and biting into one of those overly buttery pierogies, that would be it. I love it. The, the memories that tie us together as not only family, but humanity. 
Christine, thank you so much for sharing your insights. I really appreciate it. And happy American Thanksgiving coming up and the holidays. And uh, where can people continue the conversation with you? Where do you like to show up the most? Yeah, so um, I have a newer podcast that just has launched called TMI with Christine. And if they want to hear more about this, I talked with my mom, who's a caterer, all about her Thanksgiving tips in episode number six. I think that's a great place to go, TMI with Christine. And then the websites, Cook the Story and The Cookful. I'd love to see people checking me out over there. Wonderful. All right, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Christine. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.